Oh, right. Bacchanese. <laughs> Bacchanese. <laughs> that one. Okay, yeah, Bacchanese. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Bus Call, the podcast dedicated to the touring industry professionals and their stories. My name is Ryan Goldbacher, and I'm going to be your host. In these interviews, we're going to break down how touring professionals got into the industry, advice they have for up-and-comers, and awesome stories from the road. For more info, visit us at show-logistics.com and click on the Bus Call podcast at the top of the page. Don't believe me, please. She's already shown me all her tattoos. All right, everybody, I want to welcome my next guest to Bus Call, John Franco. Franco works with me with Sebastian Bach, and he guitar techs for Brent Woods and Rob DeLuca on that tour. Uh, he also works over at Ernie Ball. He's an electronics genius over there. He's also worked with several other bands, um, but right now he's out in... Are you in Fresno or San Luis Obispo? Uh, San Luis Obispo area. Okay. He's out in, out in sunny California right now. Uh, still working over at Ernie Ball while we're all sitting on our asses, but uh, Franco, welcome to Busco. How's it going, man? It goes well. It goes very well. Start from the beginning. What, what led you into becoming a guitar tech? It was uh, surprisingly like a weird, serendipitous, full circle story. I had a, a few people in my hometown, Hanford, California, and in that surrounding community that just gotten off the road and retiring or or just going out on the road, you know, little things like that. So I, I saw people within my community actually breaking out of that small town mold and going out on the road. And so fifth grade started, you know, middle school band for one reason or another, switched schools. And, and then it wasn't until high school when my best friend, Phil, put a guitar in my hands. And that's when I was like, you know what, this is something I want to do. You know, I want to make music. I ended up saving some money, you know, some leftover lunch money and things like that, and birthday money. And, and uh, for my 15th birthday, my parents drove up to the local big brand guitar store. Guitar an, mall? You know. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those, one of those. Yeah, without, you know, naming names, pointing fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, cousin Eric, who is uh, the guitar tech for 311 at the time, was working there. We're checking out, you know, and I'm giving them my info for, like, warranty and, you know, just regular information, you know, how they take your info. You're, he's like, whoa, Hanford. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, well, tells me his last name turns out i went to middle school and high school with his younger brother and then a couple months go by and learning to play guitar and i walk into my local music store they're like hey do you want to work here and i'm like yeah absolutely and this is after you know building a relationship with that music store you know after months of learning how to play guitar it was supposed to be like an internship through like the city and the high school and it was supposed to be for like high school it ended up falling through because my parents were just barely over the line of making <laughs> too much money <laughs> by like something stupid like a hundred bucks you know so i ended up missing out on the internship but then it turns out you know they're like hey just come help us out i'm like yeah sure why not you know so i just like assemble guitar stands you know for an afternoon on like a saturday and they'd like give me you know some strings or something or set something aside for me so that it wouldn't get sold, you know, like little things like that, you know? And then my buddy, Rudy Paris ends up getting a phone call that he's going to be going out on tour with Hank Williams, the third. So they're like, Hey, we might have some hours opening up. Do you want to work here full time? And I'm like, yes, totally. So I was the 
high school kid working at the guitar shop sitting on my butt after school <laughs> when really I was learning. You know, I was learning how to solder output jacks on guitars at like 16. I got to go to NAM at 16 with my best friend, Phil, who we were the only two kids and they got to go to NAM that year. You know, For people who don't know, NAM's like the big uh, conference for, for music merchants in the U.S., so... Yeah, it was mind-blowing, unsupervised, mind you. You know, know, our parents were like, yeah, go ahead, not even knowing any (laughs) clue what it actually is, you know. They're like, we're going to a music convention, okay, thanks, bye. (laughs) 16, it was great. But it was just for the day at that time, you know. Back then, security wasn't as harsh, and you could do the whole, your name is Felipe, for the day before they would check your ID with the NAM badge thing, you know, there's a lot of that going on back in that day. Um, you know, it was something, you know, soldering a, a guitar jack onto a guitar and then going into the amp room of the shop, getting to plug in a, something that's completely dead, fixing it into a Marshall full stack and being able to lock the door because, you know, at 16, they also gave me the keys to the shop. It was great fixing stuff and then just locking myself in the amp room after hours and just being able to hear it come to life through a Marshall half stack. And I was like, that is awesome. And plus, I got paid extra for soldering those output checks and doing string changes and things like that. And my first mentor was uh, this uh, Armenian gentleman by the name of Jimmy K. Janian, who was a musician in the Vietnam USO show. And, you know, he had to learn a lot of things on the fly and solder his own stuff because he was you know, touring Vietnam at the time and, you know, playing shows and they had to improvise a lot of things on their own and fly two shows on a helicopter and be dropped off. So he was the one that taught me the importance of tinning wire and having a good connection and things like that. That was kind of the start of it was, was I was getting paid more on top of my hourly rate to bring things to life. And that felt good. A couple months after that, cousin Eric ended up quitting Guitar Mart and uh, working for the same music store I was working at. So we ended up working together for a little while. He ended up working for us for a little bit, and then he quit, but we still kept in touch. And then next thing I know, he's moving down to LA, and he's touring with with 311. Yet another guy that, uh, you know, just up and did it from my hometown. So I was like, man, this is possible. You know, did the whole local music store thing for a while, bounced around to other music stores, and ended up getting the bug and building, you know, crazy things like smoke bombs into guitars and <laughs> LEDs into the fretboards and necks. And I even uh, had a little fireball cannon on a headstock for a minute because I was bored of, you know, hey, bro, can you put EMGs in my, my ESP? Uh-huh. Sure. But it was things like uh, putting effects loop in guitars like Jerry Garcia did back mm. in the day that really started to inspire me. Things that were unconventional and then people started me to pay me to uh do the jerry garcia effects loop mods learned about buffers and signal flow and things like that my first jerry garcia guitar of course i had to put an led in it i couldn't resist well you know it was learning how to do that that inspired me to expand my mind and learn about building pedals and you know just doing things like that it was just the challenge of it really more than anything and then next thing I know, I'm working at Music Man. 
<laughs> so all right, there's got to be a, more of a story to that, though. I mean, how did you how did you get into that gig? I think when I met you, you were working on their pedals or something at the time, right? I, I at the time, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe. I guess I kind of maybe you might have helped them out with a few, but it was mainly like uh, actually I can't even remember. <laughs> Come to think of it, well, because like the thing is, like engineering will do something and. They'll they'll drop it in the electronics department. How did you get that gig? I mean, uh, totally, uh, you know, clawed my way and applied online. You know, just kept submitting my resume, which was very difficult because at the time I was, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, trying to you know get safe passage home to California. It was difficult trying to get an interview or somebody you know on the phone because I was across the country. And I understand, you know, you got local applicants. Why take a risk on somebody from all the way across the country to come join them? This goes back to the whole serendipitous cycle thing. That same mentor that taught me how to solder, Jimmy K, passed away. And I knew I would get that phone call that, you know, I would have to fly home no matter where I was, you know, to attend the funeral. While out for that, I kept calling Ernie Ball. I'm like, hey, I'm here for passing of, of one of my mentors. Can I please have an interview? And so on my 30th birthday, they gave me an interview. So <laughs> I gave up any and all birthday plans I could have had with any of my hometown friends to drive three hours to San Luis Obispo. And I just kind of started in the electronics department and uh, rose slightly up through the ranks. And now I help out the warranty technician. There's one warranty technician at the factory. I spend part of my time at Ernie Ball Music Man as his assistant. So how did you get the Sebastian gigs? That was your first tour. Well, my first full-length tour. Um, cousin Eric offered me like a fill-in gig. I ended up doing like one week and it was like four dates with Pepper. Pepper was, was, a, was a bus tour, you know, but it was only like the last week of their tour. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just the four dates. And um, I was really fortunate that Eric threw that out to me, you know. I was kind of like, okay, it's totally possible that cats from my hometown can, can do this whole touring thing for a living. Cause what was the story behind how you got the Bach gig? Well, um, I kind of got the bug of being the whole music store thing and, and doing this. So I, I thought I could just leave my hometown and move to San Diego and do the same thing. And eventually I got a gig at a music store. And that's where I met um, Jeff Meredith, who was the, uh, the guest on the inaugural podcast. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jeff was my first interview, yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's where I first met him. Uh, we were working at the same music store, Guitar Trader, down there in San Diego. And that's where he and I met for the first time. And we kind of just kept in touch after, after a while. And uh, I don't know if it's coincidence, but I built this smoke bomb base, put a smoke bomb system, kind of Ace Freely style, <laughs> with LEDs, and the LEDs reacted to the sound of the bass. And the next thing I know, I get this you know, message from Jeff, like, Hey, you available for this tour? And it was the Sebastian Bach gig. And I'm like, well, if Ernie Ball will allow me a leave of absence, absolutely. So in the course of like a day or two or a weekend, I ended up in human resources office at music band, like pleading my case kind of thing. And my supervisor was so understanding totally like gave me my blessing. I was so lucky. And, uh, HR was like, yeah, we'll get back to you. And within about an hour or two, they, uh, call me back they're like yeah go ahead <laughs> see you in in like seven weeks or so mm. and your job will still be here same thing you ate everything i'm like what oh okay, okay. so you know called brent back and i'm like 
yeah, man, when do you need me where? Brent Sebastian's guitar player, yeah. So, I mean, I guess a lot, of, most of the touring we've done has been together, but what, what are some of the cool places you've gotten to go and got, things you've gotten to see that you otherwise might not have if you weren't touring? I would say probably like New York City and, and upstate New York, New Jersey, like places like the Stone Pony and, and all these like little spots that, you know, have historical significance in our industry because it's like so traditional, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of all carrying on a tradition. Yeah, just like little spots like that. But I really like upstate New York. I don't know what it is about Buffalo, man, but <laughs> just having that Olympic restaurant that has uh, oh that, yeah. That, cheesecake and baklava yeah. together in one slice <laughs> that is just ingenious man that it's was just... uh, where, that was right by the we were at the hotel there or something yeah 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 that was like literally out the outside the bus window yeah you know cheesecake baklava and i'm like dude dude tell the story about the block island thing <laughs> you're gonna bring that one up huh <laughs> i'm gonna edit out all the bad parts but just There's just no kind of go I'm gonna, I'm, 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 well they, all right all right well, tell the whole tell the whole story because this is this is a funny story and this is a really interesting gig that we did but t- tell the whole thing all right you know? so so you want me to paint the picture so to say paint the picture as sebastian bach would say oh, oh, oh. <laughs> paint me a picture all right all right <laughs> so so i guess i guess we'll start there i guess we'll all pretend we're in the back lounge and and I'm painting the picture. So, um, <laughs> it starts out like the one gig in all of this where we actually, where we have to, you know, unhitch the trailer and put it on a ferry. Well, that in and of itself was a challenge. But anyways. So people know Block Island is literally an island and there's no bridge. You have to get on a ferry and you can't fit a bus on the ferry. So we had to unhook the trailer put all the gear that wasn't in the trailer in the trailer and it was a rough day but yeah so that's that's the, how the whole story starts yeah it was not a good morning <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like i got on it wasn't even like light out when we had to start all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah I, I i i was not envious of, of the tour manager wizardry that had to take place no. um for that to happen but uh so, yeah, it was not a good morning. We all had to board the, like, one of maybe two ferries that day to Block Island with pretty much everybody that was going to be at the show. So imagine that. <laughs> and then uh, we get there and get the gear to the gig, to the the much joyous awesomeness that was the beautiful day weather-wise out there. They they rolled out the red carpet, so to speak, with the, uh, the plywood highway over sand. You know, which was awesome, but there was one hiccup. The stagehands didn't speak English. And this is several weeks into the tour where, where, where not a whole lot of people know that I'm extremely fluent in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue that you spoke Spanish at all. <laughs> yeah, or the fact that I was even so, Mexican, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those funny, weird things. And so I kind of dropped that bombshell on everybody, like, hey, I speak Spanish, I can help out. It's all good. I can tell them where to put the gear. You know, I could ask them where to put the gear. And, uh, you know, so luckily the stagehands, you know, spoke Spanish, you know, so did I. So that that, that ended up working out. And uh, we got the gear on stage, and there was uh, some acts that opened up for Bach. Um, That's all I'm going to say. And, uh, yeah, then we went on in, like, the middle of the afternoon. It was a cool experience for me because it was just a nice view for me. 
you know, there's a beach, there's all <laughs> kinds of people, like, you know, I'm looking out at the crowd, you know, you know, for my, my station, like, there's Brent and Rob, you know, them is the crowd, you know, that was my view of mm-hmm. this beach. It was a rough day because the, the promoter didn't have a whole lot of experience, and it, I don't know. That was that was probably the hardest day on that tour, I think, for me. You know, and then the catch to the whole thing is, you know, we're all. I, I think we went on at like three o'clock. The last boat to leave the island is at six. Oh yeah, so, I forgot you know, about you, that. If there you was do, the whole language if you do a ninety minute clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, if you, you know, I mean, if you do a ninety minute set. I mean, you must have had to get get the trailer packed in forty five minutes. Yeah, because which was, usually yeah, takes two, wasn't he, two hours. Wasn't there also like a meet and greet? Uh, there was like a, the VIP meet and greet. It was just a few things, but that's right because I was doing that. Yeah, so we had to. Yeah, we had to pack, yeah, up, we had I mean, pack up and, and get then, out of there. Then, so me and Baz do the meet and greet. We literally just walk straight onto the boat. You know, I mean, if with the um, loadout, I kept saying, "Well, what if we miss the boat?" And they're like, "You're not going to miss the boat." I'm not, I'm not asking if we're going to miss the boat. I said, "What if we miss the boat?" Because <laughs> we had a gig the next day, and there was there was like, I'm not asking you if we're going to miss the boat. I'm asking what happens if we miss the boat. And uh, I don't know. Luckily, we made it, but that was a rough one, man. Oh, that was. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was you know the one gig that just yeah we had really the, we had the, uh, the not only did we have the whole clock running against us time wise mm-hmm. we we had a language barrier also obstructing it yeah, you yeah. Know? so yeah luckily I, I was able to speak Spanish and try to expedite things a little bit yes Franco saved the day <laughs> that day well if you want to put it that way <laughs> <laughs> what's the craziest G-rated story you can tell the funniest G-rated story. PG rated story you can tell about a a tour. Um, the funniest. Come on, I, I know you know the one I'm talking about. Wait, I do. The riser. Oh right, Bacanese, <laughs> Bacanese. <laughs> that one. Okay, yeah, Bacanese. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so for for those for those of you to. That don't know Sebastian is a pretty animated fellow, and uh, <laughs> Franco. I mean, this was like maybe two weeks in, and you you were that was your first tour. You know, you didn't know Baz all that well at the time. And, no, nor uh, his nor his stage sign language. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, and Franco was the closest guy that was you know able to do anything. So anyway, Sebastian, well, tell tell the story, Sebastian. <laughs> So, um, this is a few weeks into the tour. You guys had luckily given me the heads up on, you know, the things to, you know, keep an eye on, you know, during the show, like the mic stand, you know, things, things that normally happen throughout the show that I should be aware of, you know, kind of thing. Mm. This was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, uh, there's a point in the show where it's just an awesome show, big crowd, crowds having an amazing time. Um, and Baz is signaling to me, and, and for the life of me, I can't make heads or tails of what the, the hand signals mean, only to come here. And it, he's kind of making like a, like a take pictures kind of, kind of a thing. So I'm like, okay, cool. Okay, I, I, I kind of got that much of it. Go over there and take some sort of photo, right? I understood that much. So I make my way over there. And he starts, like, signaling me to get on the drum riser. So I'm like, okay, cool. In my head, I, I'm thinking, okay, kind of be on the down low, you know, kind of be stealthy a little, you know? So I, 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 I just sit on the drum riser. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that so that's not, not the whole That was not the so correct that, one. 
Well, so here's the deal. I mean, you all right, so I'm out front and I see what's going on. And you walk out on stage like you knew you're supposed to take a picture, but then Sebastian is like doing hand signals and he keeps pointing at the drum riser. You're still a little confused. You're still kind of like, what does he want me to do? And to be honest with you, I, I could tell he wanted you to take a picture, but I wasn't really sure what he was talking about. So, <laughs> you know, he does this like three or four times and Franco just had this, you got this confused look on your face and all of a sudden you just plop down with your ass on the riser sitting there. <laughs> and, then, and then Sebastian gives you like a look, like what the hell are you doing? He walks over to you and he kind of grabs you by the armpits and picks you up to some degree and stands you up. <laughs> and, and you, you, the crazy thing is you actually got the picture. Cause it was like, you know, it was like a, you know, right at the right point, this had to happen. You know, you stand up, you take the picture and it was an awesome picture. I got to find the picture. I'm going to put this, put it in the podcast, but yeah. So that's the whole story behind that. But from front of house, it was hilarious. And then, and then <laughs> Randy, the drum tech, who just kind of wasn't in the right place at the right time. It's like looking at this and he's like, yeah, man, I knew exactly what he meant. But he made the yeah. motions too. Like Randy made the motions. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like translated the whole thing on the bus later. Like, did he do this? <laughs> like, yeah, that's what he did. He's like, that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so all right. So, what uh, what advice do you have to people that are looking to get into maybe the guitar teching or the electronics world of of music? Humble yourself. I, I've been fortunate to have like some of the best mentors, and it's just all come from like that that ambition of of being from a small town and wanting to this whole touring thing. We, we come from a generation that is fortunate to have all these resources on the web, but some of those resources don't tell us what to do when things go wrong. You know what I mean? And that, a lot of that comes from experience. And a lot of experience gets handed down from these, these cats that have been in the business for a really long time. They didn't have it as easy as we did, you know? So we got to kind of respect that tradition. You know, they didn't have, you know, all these apps that we have available to us, you know, that make touring so what some might think luxurious. There's a lot of people that came from the era of, of actual printed day sheets, and that was it, you know? And there was no, like, apps to just, like, call up a ride to come get you without you having to, like, figure out how to give them directions on how to get to you. There's pay phones and, and you know, this whole technology that we have available to us. It, it It's good and bad, you know what I mean? So we kind of have to, like just know our role in all of it. You know, as a young gun, like I see it as know your role in the grand scheme of the team. Um, yeah. Like I have no problem getting ice for the bus because, you know, I know that the rest of the bus is either elsewhere or has other things on their plate. So, you know, I have no problem taking time out of my day to either ask for, you know, somebody to bring ice to the bus or bring it there to myself, you know, whatever, it, usually it's, you know, something as simple as just, you know, meeting somebody from the venue at the bus, you know, it, it's, it's no big deal. You know, you just kind of have to respect that tradition, you know, uh, know that you're out there being part of a team that is carrying on a tradition of making people happy all across the world. You know, we're fortunate enough to see a sea of people all happy at the same time. And, and that to me is beautiful. Um, that's, that's a very beautiful experience of touring. 
just remember that you're being part of a tradition that is that is being carried on for, and that has been you know around a very long time so just kind of be aware of that and just do your role and respect that and help out what advice do you have for people looking to get get a gig um you know as far as making connections and make make that leap like learn as much as you can and then move on whether it, it's moving to like a slightly bigger city or what with each little leap, you're going to learn more from other communities and their experiences. By then, you'll learn, hopefully, from some of their mistakes and won't make some of the same ones. There's knowledge to be found with you know all these little leaps of faith. It's hard. It's tough. I know it's expensive. But do whatever you can to try and, and make those sacrifices, even if it's, you know, couch surfing for a summer. So you can get, get a roommate situation taken care of, you know, like make those little sacrifices to live in these places where you might make those network connections, you know, where these venues are, where these music stores are, where, where, the, where the scenes are, you know what I mean? That's, that's really where you're going to get some schooling. The connections are, are way more important than anything you know. Like I've said before, you, you have to be able to hold your own. But I think people put too much weight on things like their education, where they went to school, even to a big degree what city they're in. I mean, it, you know, it's not, not that it's not going to help to be in L.A., New York, or Nashville, but it, just about every major city there's going to be people that are connected and that, that'll bring you along for the ride and are willing to teach you what they know. Right. And like you said, when, when you get to that point, take the next step. You know, that tour you did with us, you had no experience touring, but you got to the point where you knew you could do the job and you could learn on the fly. That's more important than anything. Like you did with Jeff, you made that connection, and then when we were looking for a guitar tech, you were the only guy he brought up. Oh, wow. But, uh, I didn't know that. But, I mean, it's it's part of that humility, though. you got to, like, humble yourself mm-hmm. to also be aware that, you know, this is a massive community. Without those connections and, and the knowledge, and at the end of the day, you just need somebody to, like that can do the job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you kind of have to keep your head about you and just... Just be humble as much as you can and, and just curtail the knowledge that you already have. Keep it in your back pocket and then just learn. You know, that's all yeah. there is to it. Well, Franco, thank you for hopping on the phone here with me, man. I appreciate it. And uh, when October comes around, I can't wait, man. We got to get back on the road. Dude, I miss you guys. For people that don't know, we, we literally, what was it, like three or four days before we're supposed to hop on the planes, we get the tour canceled. So we were like all ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be back on the road soon. They're supposed to be, well, they're working on stuff. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all right, fingers dude. crossed. Well, I'll catch you later. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bus Call. If you like the podcast, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit us at patreon.com slash buscall. Patreon members will get the podcast a week before it's released to the public, and they can also sign up to have advance notice of who's going to be on and the opportunity to ask questions. Please take some time to visit show-logistics.com. We've dedicated the first page to sell merch to raise money for Crew Nation's Global Relief Fund. As you know, with COVID-19, basically all touring has stopped for the foreseeable future, and there's thousands and thousands of crew out of work, and we're donating all the profits, many of the merch sold there, straight to Crew Nation. Thanks so much again, and please rate, review, and subscribe.